Hello and welcome back to another episode of Only a Notebook. I'm your host, Nathaniel Mellor, uh, and I apologize about the somewhat uh, long break there that was unintentional. I uh, was having some computer problems, which happens with a 10-year-old laptop uh, that you have spilled two drinks on in the course of its life. Uh, so after a very quick isopurple bath, it is back in the computer, or the logic board, I guess, is back in the computer. Um, and thank you to all those lovely YouTube videos that help people fix their computers. Um, but in this video, I wanted to talk about the sort of fur, the final part, part four of men writing women. And I, in my mind that, that the part four would be the strong, uh, female protagonist, the strong female lead or the strong female character, depending, um, basically what kind of story you're writing and who your protagonist is, I guess. Um, and it's interesting, actually, if I, I think I mentioned at the beginning of this series that I had originally made it a YouTube series. I was I was playing around with filming, and um, it comes with its own various complications, um, and I never ended up publishing this episode. Um, so it just sort of ends at part three, and then and because I never published it, I actually never published any other uh, episodes. Um, and so by... Um, that was sort of the, the, the brief life and death of the uh, YouTube channel. Um, but part of the reason I didn't publish it is because I realized it's difficult to effectively talk about in a way that isn't incredibly charged in some way, um, not necessarily politically or religiously or anything like that. It's just, uh, I think it's a, I think for a lot of people, it's, it's a diff, uh, it's a, it brings in a lot of different um, subjects. It brings in a lot of different um, considerations. Uh, and I think for, with some people, it kind of forces us, us as, as individuals, you, uh, particularly to look at yourself and how you view other people. Um, and I realized, you know, I actually even wrote a script for this that I may or may not use. Um, so if I do start taking tangents, I will refer to the script. So I don't uh, make this into a four hour long episode, but four hour episode or not, it is still a, a difficult, um, sort of, uh, subject simply because, uh, when you're talking about, when you're talking about character creation in general, you're talking about looking at real life and you're talking about basing characters on real life, but making sure you're not creating a caricature, which if you look in history is, it's what often happens, um, when you are writing or creating a character of a certain race or a certain gender or a certain background, whether it be a class background, um, or, I guess, a regional background, um, but sometimes, and it would, writers would end up creating a caricature rather than a genuine character. Uh, and, and oftentimes this is done for, well, it's done for, for humorous purposes, or it's done to insult a group, or it's done to belittle some, some group or person. Um, and, and, you know, it ends up being, uh, sometimes it ends up entering pop culture or ends up entering mainstream culture. Um, and sometimes it ends up sticking around for a while. Um, but there's also, there's, I guess in this whole subject, there's a lot to talk about because there's, when, when you are looking in real life for a character that you want to create, that you want to mimic, that you want to copy, um, it, it becomes difficult when, when we don't know why we write the way we do and how we create the way we do. Um, and I think it's something that I'm also learning. And that's actually what I really wanted to first talk about is, kind of why I'm doing this. I realized I never really talked about that. I sort of just jumped into it. And as a very brief um, sort of little little look into it, I, I, I wanted to give a little background, basically, um, mainly because 
there is a sort of societal issue, and I thought approaching it through writing might help my own writing. So, you know, in, in, in part, this can be viewed as a selfish reason, um, so my selfish reason, to clarify, um, but also because it helps, I think, when we, um, when we are forced to see an issue from another side, we gain a better and deeper appreciation and understanding of that issue. Um, and so, and, and part of it, I think, is I just, at, at one point, I was doing some research for a short story, and I happened to kind of, and I think Pandora was part of the short story, and I read that, um, you know, a couple Bible historians and, and Bible scholars believe that, you know, the, the, the myth of Pandora is actually what um, uh, sort of gave birth, but also just um, inspired um Eve's the, the book of Genesis and Eve and Adam, and I thought that was fascinating because it, it is a a three or four thousand year old myth, um, and and if not older, again you know some of our first mentions of it are mentioning as if the audience knows who this character already is, um, but it's interesting as we created basically our own scapegoat, uh, and then it kind of makes me personally wonder why, and that's kind of why I started this um, this series is because I was also uh, into exploring these ideas. Um, but also, I mentioned a hundred times at this point um, that I'm a writing teacher, um, as well as a, a beta reader, as well as an editor. Uh, kind of, I work with other people's stories a lot. Uh, I'm also a, a um, I re, I'm a reader, a uh, fiction editor for a literary uh, magazine. I think I've talked about it a little bit very briefly in another episode, um, but I'm, I'm the person who reads some of the stories when people send in stories to a literary magazine. Um, so I have a little bit of experience, I think, of the last five or six, seven years, I think, at this point, um, reading other people's stories and helping people create better ones. And not better, in my mind, not better, like, you know, um, but better, I guess, in the sense of it's better written or it has a stronger narrative or whatever. It's not better like it conforms to my standards or it conforms to my ideals. Therefore, it is a better um, story. And we talked about that a little bit um, in, in a beta reading episode. We kind of talked about basically as a beta reader, you should never be uh, pressing your own thoughts on a story no matter how much you want to and no matter how much you think it needs it. Um, it's it. Someone else's story is their own sort of creation, and it's not your place to you your place as a beta reader, not your place as a writer, uh, but it's not your place as a beta reader um, to sort of make someone else's story conform to your thoughts. Um, but most of my students for my writing course is on Udemy, so not not to put down my own course, but it's on Udemy. I did a couple like live tutorings with people. Um, before coronavirus, um, but I did a couple live tutorings with people, but it was mostly through Udemy. It's just kind of where I started doing it because I thought, you know, um, it was interesting uh, and it'd been fun. Um, I also started it as a way to make money and believe it or not, does not make money at all. So if you're thinking about starting a course on Udemy, don't do it. Um, but a lot of my students are typically speaking, they're young men. Um, I, I think they because they give me a little infographic on on who's taking it and who's my student, and they seem like they're young men who often I get surges around that sort of like uh, back to school special. So I assume it's either young men going to high school or in high school or in college or something like that. Uh, and sometimes they'll they'll you know message me. I'm so and so. I'm a junior in high school. Or I'm 16 years old. Or I'm 17 years old. Um, and basically they want to get into 
writing, whether it's because they really like fan fiction, whether it's because they want uh, like to write their own fan fiction, I should say, um, or because maybe they really into D&D. And I know that a lot of people who uh, want to become a better dungeon master in D&D, they want to get into writing. Um, sometimes it's, they're just doing it to you know become a writer. Sometimes they're just doing it to create their own stories. Um, and a lot of them come with that same sort of question. How do I create, you know, what, what, how do I, how do I come up with ideas? You know, what's a plot? What's a theme? Um, are they interchangeable? Um, and I offered that to read people's stories for feedback. If you ever, you know, if you ever want, you know, somebody to read your stories, let me know. And I'm more than happy to read your story and provide a little feedback. It's kind of like beta reading, but, um, like a little bit less, I think it's just less feedback. Um, and, I mean, it's more specific feedback. It's like how to fix certain lines. My, my, my beta reading feedback is a little bit more general, um, but it's, you know, basically the same. Um, but one thing I have noticed is that a lot of these stories use something called self-insertion, which is when you insert yourself, you, your, you the writer, insert yourself into your own story. Now, some people view this as a bad thing, like a big no-no. Um, it kind of, I mean, I don't personally, I don't, care i guess for lack of a better i mean if i'm reading a, you know, a book that's been published and somebody's like oh it's just some guy's self-insertion fanfic on his own life i'm like i don't care if it's a good book um i do care if it's done poorly i do care if it is um some sort of sexual fan it ends up being like a sexual fantasy i'm like that was not what i was hoping for um but by and large self-insertion is fine and i i personally find it uh when i'm teaching people uh i find it a good way to teach people how to write. And one of those easy ways is self-insertion because you can ask yourself, what would I do in this situation? How would I react to this uh, stimuli um, or this this line of dialogue or this situation? Um, and it can be, you know, difficult if you have never written before to sort of come up with that because not only are you learning how to create a story and create a narrative and this and that, you're also trying to figure out, wait, how would this person honestly answer? Uh, and I think, again, I'm, I'm referencing this past episode just to let everyone know, you know, to let you know there is a common theme. Um, but I think in that character description development episode, I did briefly talk about if you are putting yourself in someone else's shoes, it might sort of you know, have the other effect, the added effect of sort of opening your mind to other people. Um, so that's that was i think part of it um was it was that i had these these young students basically and they do the self-insertion and sometimes they have these um basically these poorly developed mostly women characters female characters uh, whatever term you'd like to use um and it's it depends because again it's all about like background it's about age it's about upbringing it's all these things and i think it's it's changing now now and like when i when i first made the course like four or five years ago uh five or six years ago um i had a lot more students that were a little bit more sort of like really cardboard not even 2d you know cut out of these these women characters and it's gotten a lot better i think because um how we interact at a younger age has gotten better i feel like maybe um or i'm learning that through these students um but i think like even myself you know i'm like raised on rom-coms and sitcoms and and all these movies about like you know there's the man and then there's the woman who is just sort of there as a ornament um and and i think that's a lot of these 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 sitcoms or 
TV shows and things like that, um, they sometimes use like being a woman as like the punchline. Um, you know, whether it be like, oh, she's on her period. It's like, that's the punchline. I'm like, that's not a punchline. Uh, and I think I talked about this in maybe the last episode or two episodes ago is we've changed how we even create comedy because we're like, that's some things were once the punchline, uh, and are now not, uh, they're just part of the story. Um, and so I think that's the thing that like, you know, I, I was, you know, it's like this sort of rom-com setup that like men and women are like cats and dogs and they can never be friends. Um, and then it's like, okay, at the end of the movie, obviously they're in friends, you know, they're friends or they're, they're in a relationship, but it's like throughout the movie, they also put this weird, like, um, I don't know this, this stigma basically on this idea that like, well, men and women can't just be friends. Like they have to, you know, one of you is going to want something outside their relationship. Um, but I think again, you know, you have, if you have younger people or impressionable people, not necessarily young watching that, that does leave an, uh, an impact, right? That's like, oh, I have to want something out of all of my relationships because not only is that a bit selfish, um, it's also a bit incorrect. Um, so some of these, these younger writers, uh, and again, it's changing, but they were sort of, they were writing these female characters and it was a little bit strange. It was a little bit maybe like, have you ever spoken to a woman before? Um, do you know that's you're not how they talk or that's not how they would act? That's very strange. Um, and that's just, you know, some, something that I've noticed. And at the beginning, especially as the writing teacher, it was difficult to basically explain like, okay, I realize you might be 15 or 16. I think at the time I was 20. So it really was like, you know, a little, it was, I think the irony of, of me teaching somebody was not lost on me. Um, but it was, I think it was, you know, I was trying to help people. I'm like, that's and my original way of helping people was saying that's not okay, or that's not appropriate. And I received a lot of uh, pushback. I you know, a lot of defensive, um, uh, responses. And I realized, okay, that's not the way, um, forward. I have to ask questions and that started working really well. So instead of saying, you know, your woman character is not a, a very well-written character at all, change this immediately. Um, which again, sounds not only is it really patronizing, it's also, um, not constructive. It does not helpful, right? Nobody, nobody responds well to that. Um, especially people who, who, are writing for the first time. Um, but I, I started asking more questions about like, do you think all of your characters are well fleshed out? Do you think they all have motivations? Do you think they all have backgrounds? Do you think they all stand on their own? Um, there's a, there's a, I, I want to do a whole episode on it, but there's the Pokemon mom, uh, woman character. And if you've ever played like the early Pokemon games, I think it's changed by now, but the early Pokemon games, you basically all start the same. You start in your house and usually you're upstairs and you go downstairs and your mom's at this table and she's like, oh, here's some shoes. Go start your adventure. And she would be at the table in the house the entire game. She'd never, she'd never do anything. Um, and it was really, you know, it's kind of strange because it was like, uh, even I think in one of the slightly later games, they had your dad was uh, one of the, one of the important characters in the game, but your mom was still just this person who's at the kitchen table who lets her, I don't know, 10 year old kid, 11 year old kid, whatever the Pokemon game you know, character's age was supposed to be, um, you know, she lets her kid just kind of run off into the world. And it was really strange because I'm like, Do she does nothing? That she just sits around all day and does nothing? Um, that doesn't seem very likely. But it was this sort of weird cardboard cutout of a character um, that, you know, and it wasn't even like she, it wasn't like every time you talk to her, there's something else happening, which I think all the other characters in the game, they all had something happening. 
Um, and I think that was really interesting because that kind of stuck with me again. If I, I, I went back recently and played some of the older games and it really hits you like, wow, this is really different. This is like a total, you know, this, this, this makes impressions basically on the young people who play. Um, so I, that's why I asked these students, like, do you think your characters are well fleshed out? Do you think they have, um, a, a reason to be in your story? Cause that's another big question. And I'll get into this later in a different episode, probably. Um, but if you have a character that maybe doesn't have a reason to exist, you can remove that character. And if you find that you can remove that character and it does not change your story in any appreciable way, then it was not a very good character. Um, and not good, again, I want to clarify, when I say things like good and bad, I don't mean uh, their intentions. I don't mean, you know, their their whatever, their, their dreams or anything like that. I don't mean like a villain or a hero. I just mean well-written. Um, so you can tell it's a pretty poorly written character if they can be removed from the story and nothing changes, or if on accident you have two interchangeable characters, like um, the, the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern sort of thing, except on accident rather than on purpose. Um, I've also found that, as I just mentioned, when I sort of, it wasn't necessarily critiquing people, it was criticizing people. And I found that people don't take criticize, uh, criticism well, um, because again, who does? Um, so I would start trying to critique people, but I found that sometimes people don't like critiques either. Uh, and it's, this is actually typical, old, typically older people, um, people who, because the other group I get of students, especially beta readers now uh, as well, the people who need a beta reader, um, they tend to be retirement age men. Uh, and that's another reason of making this entire series. Um, because it's these retirement age men who, like, I think from their perspective, maybe I'm guessing, you know, if this is you, let me know, tell me I'm wrong. Um, but it's like, you know, they grow up speaking English, they write in English, they've written in English, they've talked in English. Um, no one has ever had any, you know, trouble with them ever. Um, maybe some of their jokes are off color in real life, but you know, it's, you know, it's fine. It's their whatever. Uh, that's who they surround themselves with. Um, and, and I think when they send me a story and I, you know, I, I kind of, I basically try to gently work into their critique, like, you know, we can take another look possibly at your, some of your, your women characters. Um, we can take maybe another look at some of the ways you've described things, um, I, I basic, basically for me, bells kind of go off in my head. If we're talking about somebody's chest size or hip size or you know, any, any, any sort of size, you know, in like the first line of a description, um, especially if it's not like going to, you know, be important later, it's not like you're describing somebody's chest size in the first sentence, but then by act three, it's because they have to get out of a collapsed mine shaft, but only the skinny, skinny people can get out or something like that. You know, it's not like if this is an important Added, added detail, I understand, but if it's, if it's sort of fan service, you know, if it's just, you're saying that for your, uh, audience to enjoy, um, don't have it, maybe drop that. Um, so I, I would try to work a critique in, into all the beta reading. It's always, it's about some feedback, some recommendations, um, and, and with the course as well. And I, you know, I realize, of course, when you, there are, there is a group of people, um, that, have again it's i think it's like one of those things i try not to you know i try not to remove anybody's responsibility but it's not necessarily uh this groups of people this group of people's fault because you know for, for for doing what they do but there is a group of people that have never created something before that's their own um and i do mean a typically older male 
men, um, group of people. Um, uh, I'm, you know, I, when I think of this, I think of like, you know, my father or some like my grandfather, people like that. Uh, and they have, I mean, to be fair, those two specifically have created things. Um, but there are people who have not because it's, it's not been appropriate for them to do so. It's been typically frowned on or, um, you, somebody in their family forbids them, you know, typically their father. Um, so it, it's because they've never created something they've never, they've, n it's, it's really kind of hard to explain, I think, but you know, if you're a writer, so you, I think you'd understand that when you put something like some part of yourself onto a uh, paper or a word document, it, you're kind of exposing yourself. You're allowing yourself to be vulnerable and you're allowing for somebody to come in and say, or do whatever they want to your story. Um, and not that you have to listen to it at all, but you might hear it. You might understand that's happening. Um, you might post something on Facebook or, or Instagram or Twitter, and you might get some responses that are less than happy. And it doesn't make you feel very good. It makes you feel that you should maybe have not created that thing you just created, um, or at the very least that you should not have shared that thing you just created. Um, and I think with, like I said, it's not their fault. Cause I think with older people typically, um, some of them, again, this is, this is a gross generalization. I should, I should have thrown, maybe put this at the beginning. Um, I forgot to put, you know, sometimes I, I, I do, this is why I need a script. Um, but this is a gross generalization. I do want to be clear. This is not, you know, this is not applied to everybody. It, you know, maybe applies partially to many people rather than a hundred percent to a few people. Um, but I've noticed that when I do give critiquing or, or uh, sort of constructive criticism or whatever you want to call it, feedback to, to older people, um, it, it, it comes across as if I'm insulting them. Um, because there is that sort of level of, because I created this thing by myself, there was no other, um, input, right? There was no other, it wasn't my boss telling me to do it. It wasn't like something I had to do for work. It wasn't, um, something I was cajoled into doing. It was something that I decided to do on my own. I went out into the world and I created this thing. And then you just told me it sucks. And now I am hurt on the inside and I'm going to lash out and I'm going to hurt you. Um, and that I think is, is somehow, sometimes how it works with being a beta reader. It's like, oh, I didn't intend that. Uh, I didn't mean to insult you. I didn't mean to hurt you. I know how it is to receive, um, you basically criticism that you sort of wished you did not receive. Um, and I know that it hurts, you know, deeply. Um, and I think that's something that I, I've noticed though, the reason I noticed it and, and is because I've received a lot of this feedback and it's kind of, again, got me questioning, like, how do I talk about certain topics like men writing women in a way that does not come across as if I am putting someone else down or putting down their work, but instead comes across in a way that is um, reparative, you know, curative, like helping um, uh, help create a better story, help create somebody else's uh, better story. Um, and that's kind of where it comes in this strong female lead, strong female character, um, because it's that is something I've noticed that people do submit, like, uh, especially I've noticed it's worse when someone says this story, like they'll, they'll preempt their story for me. This is a story with a strong female lead and somehow it ends up being worse. Like it ends up being not true, um, versus the people who don't say that. And I'm like, wow, that's a really well-written, uh, uh, woman character, a female character. Um, and so that, that kind of comes in, but we hear that we heard the, I think the term specifically strong female lead or strong I think it's honestly more often I hear female lead than woman lead. Um, but I think we hear that a lot in um, sort of 
maybe we used to hear it a little bit more a couple of years ago, uh, but in, in articles and in YouTube videos and podcasts and things like that, it's just, especially around the movie industry, you know, it's like all these, these movies are accepting a strong female lead or they're, they're portraying strong female leads or they're XYZ with a strong female lead. Um, and I think when I, when I try to understand this, uh, not, not specifically strong female lead, but the idea of how to create a strong female lead, it is a sort of breakdown of, uh, especially when people, I should say, criticize a poorly written strong female lead. It does make me sort of try and understand how I can create one, how I can create a, a woman character that isn't bad, <laughs> for lack of a better word, or doesn't come across as um, pandering or or uh, doesn't come across as condescending, doesn't come across as a caricature, doesn't come across as um, poorly written because it's, you know, important. And again, it kind of, as I keep repeating, it does translate into real life is how you, you know, um, I think when we, this is again, topics for other sort of podcasts, um, but that, you know, separating the art from the artist kind of thing can sometimes be really, really, really difficult when the art art itself is maybe influential or it has changed people's lives or it's done one of a hundred things. And then you realize the artist is just a terrible human being. Um, and then it really does make you sort of, uh, it forces you into that question of like, what, why do we allow, you know, although this person's work is amazing, you know, and, and the story and the history and the, the, the influence of it is powerful, um, you know, does it outweigh the sort of negatives of maybe promoting a certain lifestyle, maybe promoting uh, a certain sort of mindset? I mean, even like uh, if you, for instance, like the, the lifestyle like of, of um, if I happen to go to Ezra Pound's Wikipedia page and, you know, it's like I think the first like five lines, it talks about how he's both incredibly influential, but an incredibly divisive figure in history because he's a a pretty at the time was a pretty staunch, he's dead now but as a staunch uh fascist um he made radio broadcasts for Mussolini he was um Japan's you know correspondent in Italy um he was actually ended up being arrested and imprisoned um in America on on grounds of of um basically being a traitor um treason um and I think that was just kind of fascinating because again it's like so many people looked at Ezra Pound as like you know he's the beginning of this era he's this and that and it's like also you know, might have done a lot of damage as well in his life. Um, so it's hard to tell, you know, I mean, you can't ever tell what's better or worse. Anyway, sorry about that tangent. Um, but so this this idea of this strong female lead, um, it almost, because I, I realize, again, this is, this is the difficulty in talking about this, is because you actually have to talk about uh, a lot of stuff I am not qualified to talk about, to be honest. The last four episodes have been things I am not qualified to talk about, but I'm doing so anyway. Um, but the reason I say not qualified is I don't have any history and I don't, you know, relate to a lot of it. Uh, I mean, I relate to it emotionally. I do not, I am not related to it. Like, uh, um, for instance, I, I notice with basically, I guess, getting into it and then I'll, I'll talk about how it all relates to that. Um, when we talk about strong female leads, I think people relate it back to men. Uh, and I think that's kind of the first danger. That's the first, mm, not red flag necessarily, but that's the first misstep. It's, um, it's not often, if ever, that when people are talking about a well-written male character that relate it to a woman, you know, they don't say like, oh, this is a good character because XYZ compared to a woman or 
they did this where a woman character would have done that. It's just that's a very well-written character, um, and they stand on their own. But sometimes I read, uh, whether it be articles, or I hear people, or you know, I read through comments on Reddit or Facebook or Twitter, and it's, you know, oh, she's good because of X, Y, Z, but it's like because of um, a man, basically, because of how it was, she was either, you know, was recast from a, a man to a woman or because of, you know, how that this, uh, again, I'm, I'm really relating it back to movies, not necessarily books, um, because again, books, I think, are a little more difficult to relate it back to. I think most people can kill an hour or two watching a movie, and then if it's a bad uh, woman character, a female character, they'll just be like, all right, that was an hour or two wasted. But sometimes a book can take eight or nine hours, and I think when, personally, when I'm you know, 40 minutes into a book and I'm like, oh God, this is gonna be one of those books. I, I put it down and I'm like, I'm not reading. I don't have time. I don't have time to read this. Um, unless again, sometimes, and I'll, I'll mention in a second, but Hemingway or something like that, where it's like, okay, product of its time, you know, it, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll accept that and I'll move on and I'll, you know, but when it's one of the ones like written in the last five years and it's just like, oh, this is, this is weird. Okay. Uh, then it's kind of when I, uh, put the book down. Um, but I realize I, I don't, for me personally, my own experience is I've often seen strong female leads and women related back to men and how they were compared to men. Um, and that might be, you know, because I think that um, sometimes if you, you, you kind of, I get down these rabbit holes about like how scripts were made and how movies were made and how they weren't made. Um, and, you know, some people will like sell their movie script, right? And it takes place in Texas and it takes place in 1930. And then they sell the script, but then the you know the whoever they sell it to the production company or whatever wants to change it to be 1980s, but in Vermont. And they're like, right, but the story does not work because it's the story itself was contingent upon it being in Texas, laws that existed in Texas, or whatever it is. Um, and I think that's this. I, sometimes it feels that way with women characters, um, in the sense of it seems like they replaced sometimes this very macho, gruff male character with a mantra rough female character, but then it's just kind of like, this person doesn't seem realistic. This person doesn't seem um, lifelike. Uh, and I think this is, and this is where we're going to get into just complete conjecture and my own thoughts. So I hope that's okay. Um, but I do think when, when you look back in to history, if you ask people what you think of a strong male character, I do think people would say something like Hemingway, right? It's bravado, it's machoism, no fear, no qualms, you know, jumping into battle, no regrets. It's you know, you're, you're living in the moment and you're not going to regret or fear anything. And, you know, you're, he's just got this very like, um, pragmatic, but also maybe narcissistic, um, maybe, you know, not maybe narcissistic. A lot of his characters tend to be very self-centered, I feel like. Uh, and this is a lot of his short stories to clarify. I read I know, a book of his, like 50 of his short stories. Um, and this is kind of where some of that comes from. Um, but I realize that's kind of where a lot of these male characters are based off of, um, and and I mean, if if I may, on the other on the other side, you have somebody like Tolkien. If you've ever read or seen The Lord of the Rings, they there's a fair amount of machoism and bravery in this and that, but there's also a pretty fair amount of of men crying for their friends, for other men, men kissing the foreheads of other men, men um, you know holding each other or hugging or there's there's intimacy, and I think that's like that specifically that word is something that. Um, Again, this is where we're going to get into conjecture. I hope you're along for the ride here. Um, but I think because the way America and America's culture, America's culture has some, somehow sometimes shaped certain things like movies, um, you do get men who tend to be not intimate with other people, but specifically other men. Uh, and for the longest time in America, and it's still, like, I mean, it's still happening, 
Um, it's like a bad thing to be remotely intimate or feminine or anything like that. It's like, if you are, it's a bad thing somehow. Um, going back to the idea of being the butt of the joke, it's like, oh, if you're gay, it's the joke. And I'm like, how is that the joke? That that's, that's not a joke. Um, but I think that's, you know, people say like, I don't, I mean, I grew up in, in, I guess the early 2000s where that was the, that was the go-to insult was being gay. Um, and I think it's fascinating because actually a couple of years ago I moved to Italy. It's a totally different culture. You have men holding hands, walking down the street, like older men. It's a typically an older thing. Um, but you have young, you know, younger men, young, not like 18 or 19, um, walking closely, uh, kissing each other on the cheek. You know, you have a lot of hugging, you have a touching. It's like a lot more intimate. And it's not seen as like emasculating or anything like that, like we would in America, because you have people in America who are very like, you know, I mean, really, they won't do anything that might remotely be kind of gay. And it's like, what are you afraid of? Like, what are, what is this that you are afraid of? But I think that's because that was a, such a pervasive thought, it seems like that has sort of colored the way we view our characters and our, the way we write and the way we think. Um, because if you're, you know, if, if you are Hemingway, you're going to create a strong, you know, male lead and you have him crying over other men, then people are like, this isn't a strong character. You made a weak character. Um, but, you know, another country, another culture, it's not seen as weak. Um, and I think, you know, it's, Basically, it, 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 there's maybe even a level of how, how relationships even work, you know, how fathers and sons. I mean, that's a classic thing, I feel like, um, you know, looking into people's histories, looking into like, um, you know, I think a lot of uh, when, when I'm, I, you know, I spend time on Wikipedia sometimes, like just, you know, looking at random things. And sometimes I'll end up on famous people's pages. And a lot of them have like tense relationships with their uh, with their father. A lot of the men have tense relationships with their father. Um, or non-existent relationships with their father. Uh, and I think that's a fascinating thing because there's, there's the sort of, you know, psychological, um, you know, uh, Freudian, you know, we, we, the idea maybe that we're trying to impress when we create things, we create things to impress people, right? When, I mean, you're supposed to create things for yourself. That's the best way to create something, whether it be a story or a piece of art or music, you're supposed to do it for yourself. That's, that's the idea. Um, I don't know how honest that is to, to everybody. I don't know if everybody does that. Uh, I don't do that. I, I create things for other people. I create things for money and for you know, recognition. Um, so I think sometimes you also create people to create things to impress people such as, um, our family, such as, as the people, I think also, um, typically that were never impressed by us. Um, because I think sometimes like, you know, you have these, this sort of 1940s, 1950s idea where, the, the fathers were going to work and then like uh, for instance my grandfather um he would he was that sort of like you know he'd work in new york city but he lived on long island so he'd wake up early and take the six o'clock train in and then he'd come back out around nine o'clock um so my father saw very little of him except on the weekends occasionally uh when you know when my grandfather his father uh would be drinking um and it was a, it was a very they had a very tense relationship their entire life uh because it's also a bit of you know my grandfather treated my father um, his son, like property, you know, it's like, you do what I tell you to do. You're, there's no questions here. There's no conversation. I'm not asking your opinion on something. Um, it doesn't matter that my, you know, my father might've been 25 or 30 at the time. It's like, you're not important to me. You do what I tell you to do. And that's it. Um, and I think that's, you know, again, it sort of shaped the way my father sort of wrote is like that sort of, like, uh, it's easy to tell through some of his work that you, oh, he's trying to impress someone, possibly his own father. Um, and, and so it, you know, it's having these characters that are just 
infallible, right? That, are, that, that can never be beaten, that can never be broken. Uh, Superman kind of superhuman type of characters. And I think that's almost a, personally, that's a really good way to describe it, um, is, is this idea that they are creating superheroes, right? Because superheroes are not your friends, except maybe Spider-Man. Um, but they, you know, when, when, when there's a disaster happening and half the city is leveled, that's when the superhero come in. They level the other half of the city. They, you know, kill some people on accident, probably. Uh, maybe they kill the bad guy and then they leave. Uh, and I feel like that's, you know, sometimes our parents can be like that. It's like, they're like, you did nothing to help except maybe a little bit. Um, or you left me a lot more problems than you solved. Um, and I think that maybe also historically that daughters and fathers had slightly different relationships. Um, I would argue oftentimes worse. Um, again, my own sort of family history and other people I know, their family history coming into play here. Um, they were either ignored or uh, treated much worse than the sons. Um, and I think that that sort of... Um, there's an argument that also could be made, obviously, that that um, the women who wrote might have had not, you know, they basically are like, I'm not going to impress somebody who has made it clear that they hate me. Um, so I'm not going to write for them. I'm going to write for other people. I'm going to write for myself. Um, and, it, it, you know, there's an argument that can be made of that's how, that's why maybe two, uh, there's different writing from sons and daughters. Um, maybe. Um, but that, again, that kind of brings it into that all brings into toxic masculinity, which is, you know, it's something that uh, has been talked about the last 10 years, I think, maybe eight, eight years, five years. Um, it entered the sort of mainstream a while ago. Um, then it entered it, I think, in the way of, of, um, of, you know, again, it's one of those things you mentioned and then people get defensive and it's like, dang, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm trying to have a conversation about something. Um, and especially with, with writing, because there is that, that I think what, what, and going back to these, the idea of these sometimes older people who have never written before sending me their stories, um, it's they have they think they have a strong grasp of the English language. I, I want to clarify: I only edit and beta read in English because although I live in Italy, I do not speak it, Italian nearly well enough um, to do anything resembling editing or beta reading. Um, but these older people think they have a really strong grasp on English, and they'll send in stories and. It's not that it's not a strong grasp at all. It's just that writing forces you to use language in a different way than you are used to. So if you spent your entire life in front of people, for instance, then you have things like body language and tone and eye contact and gestures and all sorts of things, like just even physical proximity. Uh, if you're trying to intimidate somebody or not, um, you know, you have so many other things to rely on. And then even if you're, you know, have a useful life being on the phone, just uh, talking to people, it's the same thing, except more with tone and pauses and things like that. Um, but so, you know, you could be very, basically, you could be very good with words, but they might not translate very well to, to writing simply because you have to be a lot more, um, you have to talk a lot more, basically, a lot more explanations are necessary, a lot more world building is necessary, um, a lot more of this idea of, of, being very clear about um, who's talking and who's saying what and how they're saying something. And I think, personally speaking, like when I when I do read certain characters, you know, um, somebody might write, you know, self, an older man might self-insert themselves into their short story, which happens fairly uh, frequently. Um, and it's hard to explain that, like, well, you know, uh, especially sometimes they'll ask for feedback. Um, and it's, uh, I mean, through my writing course or something like that, not, not through beta reading, of course, they're asking for feedback. Um, and, and, you know, one of the things I, you know, I often say is like, well, it seems 
that your character um, is is you know it based on an older idea of what um, you know a relationship. It's kind of like you watched Mad Men and you took it to heart and you assume that's what, how things still worked and you wrote a story based on that uh, and you didn't um, you didn't you didn't bother sort of exploring how things work today or how things have shifted or how things have changed. There's also not this note and you can tell like. Um, you know, when, when the writer is in on the joke and when they're not, or when they're in on, and that's that sort of thin line between obviously satire and not satire, uh, or, or comedy, but it's like when somebody's making fun of something, it's, it's, you can usually tell if the writer is in on the joke and when they're making fun of something, they're oftentimes making fun of themselves, um, or when they are simply trying to offend some group and they're, they're the sort of irony of the situation is going over their head. Um, but bringing it back to the sort of this, um, the, the re reason I brought it back to just sort of, uh, older people sending in their story is because we, we have this idea where you think you know how to create characters or men characters because you're a man. So, you know, of course you would, um, you just base it on yourself. Um, but it is hard to, to know that things have changed slightly and now you have to, you know, and, and your own idea because of your own history might be based on something that is toxic. And again, when I say, so bringing that word toxic masculinity, which is two words back into the conversation, uh, or fragile masculinity, if you want, I go for toxic usually. Um, but bringing that back in, it, it's hard to kind of sometimes tell people like, um, you know, you're, you're based on like the worst possible version of what a man should be. You're not based on the one. And I think if you look at old history, like the, like, um, older stories, um, such as myths, such as legends, such as, um, you know, any, anything like pre-Christianity, I find, uh, is a good, good place to start. But that's where a lot of, um, there were a little bit, there's a little bit more intimacy between men. It wasn't as, um, you know, there, there was a little bit like, you know, men were often, you know, like written together. Like they were, they were, they, they would hang out together. I mean, even Achilles was gay. Um, but I don't think anybody would say Achilles is, you know, um, somehow not a man, right? It's like, it's Achilles. It's practically the man sometimes, you know, with a lot of cultures, it's like, that's Achilles. Um, and I think that's that in my mind is sort of how, how things have shifted because it went from that to this sort of, um, the type of person who won't, you know, cry out in pain because it's going to look weak. And it's like, you could cry out in pain. It's not going to, it's not going to kill you. Literally, it's not going to kill you. Um, you can show weakness, you can show vulnerability. Um, so to prevent myself from going around in a circle too much, the reason that this relates is because I think when sometimes when people want to show a strong female lead, when they send stuff to me, I mean, and they say, this is a strong female lead. What I've noticed is they, it's like they simply replace a man's name with a woman's name. They simply say, this is Sarah, not Roger. And it's like, I can tell though, because again, gross generalization, completely gross generalization. Um, it, by and large, women have not had that same, um, sort of toxic quashing of intimacy, um, or, um, basically been, been told or shown that it is, uh, not okay, um, to be close to other people, other friends, other men, um, and slash that you can basically be friends with going back much earlier in this episode. Um, but like they, I was talking about men and women just being friends. I think when you're um, sometimes when people have a strong female lead, it's like you made a character, you made a, a woman character that hates other women. It's like, wh why? And then she's also like acting, you know, really toxic basically. And, and, and you're telling me this is, you know, 
powerful, but it's not. Because I think, again, this is, again, where we kind of, we split away from writing, maybe. I mean, maybe not. Maybe we, we end up right back in writing. I mean, we're talking about writing Bibles here or, you know, the Bhagavad Gita or something like that. I mean, we're talking about old writing. Um, but the idea of power, you know, what is power and where does it derive from? Um, there is that sort of Jesus aspect of, you know, power doesn't necessarily derive from other people. Um, it derives from, I mean, God or whatever, but oneself and one's ability to remain, uh, you know, sort of self-centered and conscious. Uh, conscious. Um, and I think that's that sort of thing of like, I think for a lot of men, when they write male characters, they are, there's that, that whole, like, I got to write somebody who's better than everybody else because that's a strong character. And I'm like, it doesn't need to be. Uh, and especially when it's like that now, therefore it's a woman character, you, you have the same flaws, but now they're even more apparent because that doesn't ring as true. Um, because, and, and this is, again, this is me. I'm, I'm saying all this to kind of, I'm still exploring this myself. Love to hear everybody's feedback, uh, or your own ideas. Um, but it's the, the idea that I think my own, uh, understanding and my own relationship with women and the women I know have been they've been more open. They've been more vulnerable in the sense of um, it is easier to talk. They're they're more likely to talk about um, things that are uh, maybe precious to them or maybe they're just, you know, I don't, I like, um, I would say things that hurt them, but that's not like not hurt them physically or emotionally. Just, um, I guess it's like, you ever ask, you know, a guy, like, like I asked my male friends, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm like, no, like, how are you doing? You know, it's like, it takes 15 minutes to be like, oh, you're on the, the brink of suicide and you hit your job. I'm like, see, how hard was this? Why, why would I have to pull this out of you to like, you know, to know that you need help, to know that you're in trouble, to know that you need someone to talk to. Um, and I think sometimes in my experience with women, it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit like, you know, not like pulling teeth for, for, for women to get in touch with how they actually feel about something. Whereas I think for men, because again, going back to this idea of toxic masculinity and all this, it was not as okay. Like men, I mean, there's a traditional sort of like, I mean, I say Irish, it's probably not Irish, it's probably every culture, but there's that, you know, Irish man who never cries even at funerals of their of their children. It's just like this stoic, you know, immovable sort of object. Um, and I don't, I think that's, again, going back to power and going back to what is a man, Um I think it's a very flawed concept, right? That's, that's like, imagine being a human being, but you're not allowed to experience emotions or you're not allowed to experience intimacy or you're not allowed to experience, you know, um, friendship or being open with somebody or connecting with somebody on a deeper level than simply, how you doing? I'm doing well. All right. You know, I've been friends with the guy for 30 years and I've never once talked to him about something, anything more real than um, sports or weather or work you know we've never actually talked about fears or we never actually talked about hopes or dreams or anything like that um and i think that's where kind of work for me it kind of all kind of comes into um it sort of comes into this idea of if you if one were to write their their female characters their female leads like that um then it's much more obvious that it's not true if that makes sense it's like and again i'm kind of tying that in with that, the older people writing who, who, again, they speak English their whole life, so of course they know how to write, but then it's like, well, no, because you've never, you've never uh, stressed your knowledge of the English language in this way. You've never stretched it um, to be this, in a different creative, you know, a different type of creativity. And I think it's the same thing with when you're writing women characters, it's you have to sort of stretch your mind in a different way and to understand that like, oh, 
right, you know, strong female leads don't derive from men. They derive from themselves and they have their own history. Um, and I think that's, you know, when people talk too about, um, I'm not going to get into it too much, uh, or really at all past this one statement. Um, but there is that sort of, um, idea. Some people get angry. Some writers get angry when, when, you know, someone will ask like, Oh, how do I write a, a believable, you know, Asian character, a believable black character, a believable, you know, whatever it is, uh, Spanish character, um, or a Greek character, um, you know, how do I write, make this believable? And some people get really angry because they're like, just write a good character. A good character is a good character. It doesn't have to, you know, and it's sort of like, on one hand, I see where they're coming from. You know, a good character is a good character. But on the other hand, the the prevailing thought is that when somebody's asking, how do you write a good XYZ character? They're asking, what is the background? What is the, um, the history? You know, what, what am I missing by not having experienced it myself, basically? Um, what am I, what have I only seen from the outside and I've reduced it to a generalization or a stereotype or a caricature or a notion, but I don't experience it because I don't actually know what that is. Um, and I think we do this, you know, I mean, if someone were to ask you something about like, I don't know, Italian people, I mean, Italy, you know, or French people, whatever it is, um, you know, you, you would, you would have this sort of idea, like maybe one or two words about like how would they fit into this box? Um, I mean, people ask me all the time because like, I just, you know, it, it, like, oh, you, you must see people who are dressed really well. I'm like, I live in a town of a thousand people and 850 of them are over the age of 80. Everybody here is dressed like a, you know, a farmer from 1920s Russia. They're not dressed, you know, fashionably. Um, the headscarf is still a big thing here, uh, as is eight sweaters and a jacket in the middle of July. So it's, you know, there, but there's that sort of notion of like, oh, it's Italy, everybody's well-dressed. And it's like Milan might have some well-dressed people. Um, you know, some other cities might as well, um, but no more or less than other countries. Um, and I think, so it's the same thing with groups of people. Any group of people um, is difficult to, you know, put a generalization on. So when somebody does say, how do I, you know, create a um, a good Asian character, you know, for lack of a better uh, example, uh, or actually a good woman character, um, they are asking, you know, how, what am I missing? What do I need to know? What is something I should be reading? What is something I should experience? Um, what is something I should or should not be talking about? Uh, and I think that's the stuff that's like, I'm not the one to say, you know, I'm not, I don't, uh, clearly I'm not a woman. So, or uh, maybe not clearly, I haven't mentioned it, but I'm not a woman. Um, so I, I don't know, don't ask me um, after listening to all this. <laughs> but no, I think it's, you know, it's definitely w worth exploring and, and asking and being creative, or not creative, uh, curious. I don't know why I confuse those two words all the time. Um, but it is, it kind of goes back to Ben being curious about always, 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 always being curious about other people and um, how and why they are the way they are. And then if you are going to try to write them um, to do so honestly, to do so um, with, with basically a lack of your own ego is a really, I think is a good way to put it. And this relates to so much more than just, just men writing women. It relates, um, I don't, I, I'm going to do an episode on honesty and writing. If I haven't already, I cannot remember. Um, but when, when I say removing your ego, I don't, you know, I, I did obviously talk about putting yourself into a story and, 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 um, using how you would respond as a genuine basis, um, of, of your, of story building. Um, but what I mean by, by removing your ego is 
not to lie to yourself, not to lie to your readers, not to lie to any anyone. Uh, and I think a, a perfect example is um, anything, almost anything around guns, I think is a really good example. Um, because there are people, obviously many, if not almost everybody, uh, has an aversion to being shot. No one really likes it. No one's fond of it. Um, not fun for a lot of people. Um, and I often read like either short stories or not, um, about how like that's something, you know, this character is about to be shot and they have no fear. And it's just sort of like, it's not, it's basically if you're, you know, if you're writing James Bond or if you're writing, um, Mission Impossible or something like that, you know, if you're writing like, um, John Wick, right. I can see how your character might not mind getting shot, um, but if you're writing something that is a little bit more realistic, for lack of a better term, uh, not to say those aren't realistic, because, you know, I think those, apart from one or two sort of things, the ideas are supposed to take place in the real world, um, I mean more about you're writing about, about, you know, writing about a story about some guy who works at a grocery store and he gets mugged on the way home, um, is to really genuinely be honest. Like, is your guy going to be brave and go for the gun, or is he going to be like, oh, there's a good chance my life will end right about now. Um, I should do whatever I can to not die. Uh, and I, I, there's a, I'll, I'll mention this in the, the next uh, episode or the episode on honesty in writing, but there's a ad I got on Pandora years ago and it was about like home safety or something like that. Some, some sort of like, you know, electronic security safety thing, you know, and, and you wire up your house and then they'll let you know if there's a break in or something. Um, and the ad was really strange. It was just like this woman's at a soccer game, her kid's soccer game. And she gets a call and it's like, hi ma'am, there's been a break in your house. And she's like, what a break in. That's insane. They're like, don't worry about it. We're good. We got it. We got you covered. And she's like, oh, thank God. Whew. I can go back to enjoying this soccer game. Um, and it, I mean, it's such a dumb thing to be annoyed at. It really is. Um, but what hit me about that was how completely unbothered she was by the fact that her house got broken into. Like I've had a house broken into, um, both my personal house, but also houses that I've lived with my parents broken into on, I think like four or five, six occasions. Um, and it's not fun, never fun. You know, it, it's, and part of it is that sort of like feeling of being violated. You're like, this was my safe space. This was my place that I went to, to be away from the world. Nobody could hurt me here. This was mine. And then somebody, you know, basically broke a door, broke a window and they got inside and they took stuff and you're like, suddenly this is not safe. This is not my space. It's not a retreat anymore. Uh, and I think that was kind of interesting because obviously maybe you're not going to put that into a, this is an ad for Pandora necessarily. Um, but you as a writer can definitely consider that. So if you are removing your ego from any, any, any of these writing situations and being honest, genuinely hundred percent, um, you know, sometimes embarrassingly honest about a situation, it, it creates a, such a better story. Um, because you know, I, I, as much as we will go and watch blockbusters about people shooting other people, I think when we're reading or when we're, you know, TV shows and stuff like that, that we really genuinely enjoy that stick with us are the ones where people are embarrassingly honest with each other. Uh, not like open and honest with each other, but like to the audience, I should say. Um, and and especially in things like comedy, right, where it's, it's especially, and I keep talking about comedy just because, it, again, it's, it's a medium that has changed, I think, drastically over the last 25, 30 years, uh, 40 years maybe. Um, and now a lot of comedy obviously is, is much more um, self-deprecation, self-centered about, you know, how they've failed to live up to something. Um, but the reason this relates, you know, maybe back to men writing women is because if you are creating a woman character, um, which I expect 
you all have done over at some point over your life as you write. Um, but it's to take out that sort of like, you know, this idea of, of when, when you ask, what would I do in this situation if I were a woman or what would a woman do in this situation is to remove that sort of, oh, they would do it. Yeah, they were just, you know, if it's they're being mugged, they would just, you know, totally take the gun and shoot back or something like that. It's like, would anybody in that situation even, because I mean, and I want to, the reason I even use this example, because that's a, that's one of those classic examples of if you go to any sort of self-defense class, they will say, if somebody has a gun, give your stuff, it, it get out of there. That there's no, there's no martial arts against the gun. It's a gun. It'll shoot you. You'll die. Um, so I think that's like, I use, use that example for a lot of students because uh, I have read people's, uh, even fantasy stories, right? Where they, um, where they don't respond uh, honestly. And I think like, again, going back to Lord of the Rings, um, you have the four young hobbits, right? They're running away from the people with the swords. They're not trying to be brave and stand there. It's not until the very end where we're, I think like Pippin and Mary stand up with some swords, you know, it's really, it's like, it, it, the idea of bravery, I think, is also something that I'll talk about in another episode, but it is that something that is often confused with um, idiocy, uh, or idiocy is often confused with bravery. Um, but no, removing yourself, removing your ego when you're writing women characters will help a lot to create a much more grounded, realistic, honest woman character, and also show that you, as a writer, um, are, especially if you are a man, if you but you are uh, willing to consider... Um, basically willing to kind of consider a, a just a different way of thinking, you know, willing to consider um, sort of breaking out of your own um, expectations of how the world works or, or expectate, you know, um, I mean, there's so many times I will, I've read, you know, people who, who are asking like, how do I write women characters? And a lot of the responses, you know, it's like, or they're like, you know, what are some things that, you know, women go through that I might put in my, um, in my, uh, with my woman character and, you know, a lot of times it's harassment. It's like sexual harassment or physical harassment, whatever it is. Uh, and that's something a lot of people are like, oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't, like as a guy, I didn't realize that walking around at night, it doesn't really occur to me. And of course, there are hundreds and thousands of examples of that sort of very same um, sort of question and response. And I think one, if you are interested, it was uh, Dr. Joyce Brothers. Um, as a really quick thing, just I thought might be fun. Um, she... She won the $64,000 question game show back in the 50s. Um, and it was fascinating because, you know, she basically the show was sponsored by um, Revlon, the the makeup brand. And Rev Sin, the guy who ran the makeup brand, did not want her on the show because she refused to wear makeup. And he was quoted as like uh, basically wanting to throw her out of the game um, with some unkind words. But because I don't want to mark this episode as explicit, I shall not repeat those words. Um, it's very difficult, by the way, not to swear. As somebody who swears often, very difficult. And she ends up basically winning, winning the challenge, winning the money. Um, but if you look into the, the questions she had to answer, I mean, they're insane. Some of them are, are, are multiple, multiple part questions, not just like, what is this piece of trivia? You got it right. You're in, but you know, when, uh, she, she did boxing. That was her, um, basically I'm, I'm, I'm butchering this story and I apologize, but essentially she, she was a psychologist. She didn't really know much about their topics because their topics were things like the Bible or opera or whatever it is. And um, they were like, you have to kind of know something. How about just pick a sport? And I think she picks boxing or they, they recommended that she pick boxing. So she brushed up on boxing, came to the show, won some money. They sent her home with some more books and they said, you can come back you know, next week and keep winning. Uh, but she did her own research and she got all the tape reels and she got all the newspaper clippings and everything. And, and she went and she really, really, really brushed up on her knowledge. But 
Also, of course, in, in the world of boxing, there are many things that relate to it, but a lot of her questions had to deal with the referees of boxing matches, specific boxing matches, the years they took place in the cities they took place in, they took place in. Um, and this became like a sort of, you know, it, it, they would ask her four questions, like where, where's this boxing, where the, uh, this certain boxing match took place, who fought, who was the winner and who was the referee. Uh, and they would be worded, uh, I think two or three of them were worded in a very, um, not easy to understand way. Um, but it was a way to, to basically kick her off the show. And, and I actually had, I'd read about this, uh, again on Reddit of all places, um, recently. And when a couple of comments were just like, wow, it's like, you know, they, they were like, wow, I can't believe all, all the things you had to do just to win. Uh, but apparently the, the previous winner, the first, cause she was the second time winner and the first time winner was a man, not nearly as difficult. Um, and it was just that kind of thing where, where a couple of people, a couple of men from their comments realized like maybe for the first time in their lives that like yeah that's how it has been historically that that women are sort of um not given the same privilege um as as men um and that's kind of why i talked about pandora and i talked about eve and i talked about lilith uh and i could have i mean i could have talked about so much more um but it's that sort of idea of it's always been used um derogatorily women have always been used, you know sort of viewed derogatorily as a scapegoat as a sort of reason for suffering um, and, but how it bleeds over into everything and not just like small things, but big things. Um, and how like basically just by, by being conscious of how you write and by being conscious of how you create something, um, it, it might allow you to be just a little bit more conscientious in, in your life. Uh, if you aren't already, I assume, you know, anybody's listening to this, you're probably a very conscientious person and a great person. Um, but it, it's like even myself, I, you know, I, I like to think, I like to hope I'm a decent person. Um, but, you know, it's always about like, how can I be better? How can I learn more? How can I step outside of my comfort zone and, and understand how sometimes it's uncomfortable uh, to be outside of your comfort zone, um, but to understand how things might work outside of my own perspective. Because um, I like to think I know how things work, but then I take just the slightest step outside of my comfort zone and I realize, ah... I understand how things work from my own perspective. I have no idea how things actually work. Um, and that's obviously, it's something that, that it's how we grow, I guess. And that's kind of what it all comes down to. And that's what these are, the, the four real long, uh, these long episodes have all kind of come down to is, you know, is basically um, rather than teaching you how to write, uh, how, how to write women, I, I, I'm trying to myself and trying to teach other people and trying to teach you how to see the world rather than how to just write. Uh, and that's why I think this is so difficult. And I hope I sort of, um, through the last hour and two minutes, uh, I've made some kind of progress. And so, and then again, it's, it's, I apologize for all the tangents and off topic, this and that. Um, but it's, I think honestly, it's such a much bigger concept and it's something that is, will, will be a conversation for many years to come. Um, but I think that's the, I, I realized when I've started when I started the writing course and I started beta reading, I started uh, as a fiction editor um, uh, of, a, of a magazine. It's almost like I, it's without realizing it, um, I sort of had the responsibility to all of a sudden be a lot more conscientious about how I uh, interact with writing and how I interact with writers and how I help them mold their stories um, and how, how I basically, how do I help them see their own shortcomings if they are if there are shortcomings uh, or see a better way to create a character create um uh, believability create honesty 
Uh, and I think it's kind of, it's definitely sort of shaped how I see the world. Um, so I do hope that this episode has been at least entertaining, if not um, enjoyable. Um, <laughs> if you don't like enjoying your entertainment. Um, but at least I hope it's been uh, somewhat, uh, you've learned something. Um, but again, I think I'm, I'm, I'm still learning myself. And so if you have anything you'd uh, like to share as well as, you know, any, anything I should be reading or anything I should know, please let me know. I'm on Twitter uh, at Melor Nathaniel. Um, and I'd love to hear your thoughts uh, and feedback if you have any. Um, but I hope you will come back to the next episode. I don't know what it's on yet, but I uh, hope to see you there. Thank you again for listening.